welcome to the Nursum podcast. It's Monique and Landon back again. And I thought we'd start today with acknowledging everyone who's listening. And we've got some interesting statistics and much to our surprise, 51% of our listeners are in the United States and 2% in Asia, 2% in Europe and the rest in Canada. So it's kind of exciting for us. And this today we're going to talk about IM injections and we're going to sound very educated on this topic because this is the second time that we've actually recorded this podcast because of the magic delete button, the first one. <laughs> this was originally episode two and it's now episode five because of our ability to delete things very easily and not recover them. Exactly. So we are, as Landon said, we're so excited that everyone is listening. It's uh, very I guess it's very positive for us to think that there are people actually out there listening to us from all over the world. And we had our fresh blueberry muffins. We're sitting in my kitchen and we're going to start talking about IM injections. We're kind of going back to old school and Landon will probably say it's because I am old school. Um, but it is very interesting. The reason... We're just old. <laughs> That's true too. Uh, but it is quite interesting because how this came about to be a bit of a topic is my nephew who is not a healthcare professional, was in Nepal last fall and he was volunteering at a clinic and was taught how to give IM vaccinations. And it kind of made me start being very sentimental about my old nursing school days and how long it took us to determine the right location, the size of the needle in administering IM medications and how nervous I was the first time I gave my first dorsal gluteal IM and I kept thinking about oh my gosh I'm going to cause an abscess or an infection and what if I hit a blood vessel or if I create a nerve damage or something like that. So interestingly I read an article about the reports of neuromuscular injuries following IM influenza vaccines and although they are rare we may start seeing more of them as more adults are receiving the flu vaccine which is a good thing i think it is a great thing for us to have people who are vaccinating more often but i do think it makes it begs the question well if we're going to be doing this more often how good is our technique in fact when i got my flu shot last year the occupational health nurse i was shocked that she was about to administer it halfway down my upper arm hmm. now you know Giving IMs used to be in the realm of the physician, but since the 1960s, it has become a fundamental nursing skill. And in 2003, there was a study by Bandelier stating that educating student nurses on injection techniques led to improved and safer practice. Well, makes sense. that does make sense, doesn't it? But really, the reality is that procedure is only taught once during your pre-registration education, and then we never really re look at it again. And what has happened is that it has resulted in poor practice. We have increased incidence of needle stick injuries. And in 2006, who knew that there was a journal of peripheral nerve systems, but there was. And there's a study by Pandian and all looking at nerve injuries following IM injections, a clinical and neurophysiological study from Northwest India. And from 1990 to 2003, there were 55 patients with sciatic nerve palsy, 44% with radial nerve injuries, and 1% with posterior femoral cutaneous nerve injuries. So those are of people who were injured? Yeah. Those were the percentages of their injuries? Exactly. Okay. In 86 of these patients, the IM injections were given by uncertified medical pr practitioners. And out of all of those patients, only about 28% of them had a good recovery. So 
The conclusion was that nerve injuries following eye injections is a preventable iotrogenic um, hazard, which carries a poor prognosis. And they duplicated those findings in Nigeria and Korea. And so sometimes people have kind of postulated that this might be due to the fact that there's less rigorous training of this personnel and, um, and also that they don't have any other options for different routes like IVs and things like that. So IM injections are given for a multitude of different complaints. So it's interesting because I would think, well, these are third world countries or countries where there were um, lots of remote areas where there are untrained professionals giving the shots. We must be doing far better. We're trained professionals, aren't we? Well, it's interesting you should say that, Monique, because uh, actually we're not doing much better. According to uh, CDC's Vaccine Adverse Effect Reporting System, again, who knew there was one of those? I know. Well, funny, people may not know there's one of those. This system is actually a voluntary system, so these may be completely inaccurate numbers. But since 2009, there have been, remember, voluntary system, 17 reports of shoulder injury following influenza injection. Seven of them were in people age 65 and over, and two were diagnosed as axillary nerve damage. One as brachial nerve neuritis and other as complex regional pain syndrome. You know, it's a, it's a voluntary system, so obviously this, the actual incidence is going to be higher than that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is one is enough for something that's such a simple fundamental task in nursing, and, and it's a totally preventable complication. So in, in the literature, auxiliary and radial nerve damage have been reported as a result of giving incorrectly sorry, as incorrectly given deltoid IM injections. And so it's, it's always unclear as to whether this is direct injury to the nerve or inflammation in the area. However, it really doesn't matter. The fact is this shouldn't happen. If, if you're landmarking and giving this right, there is no possibility of this happening. Exactly. So we've kind of summed it up into IM injections being about three things. Number one, location, location, location. Mm-hmm. Number two, size does matter. And number three, how much is too much? Yeah, that's a great kind of way to encapsulate exactly what we're looking for. And I do think that location, location, location is something we should probably start with. And when you think about the different sites for location, 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 I think that the deltoid one is one people kind of migrate to because it is easily accessible. And uh, where we're giving it, maybe patients will have to expose themselves. So that's probably the most socially acceptable place to give an injection. But we kind of want to talk about all of them because there is a reason why we choose certain types of location. And it could depend on the type of medication you're giving, the volume of medication you're giving. So let's talk about them. So there are three sites that we're going to really talk about. We're going to talk about the thigh, the, the arm, and the buttocks. And I'm going to start with the thigh. and. And then we'll go on from there. So the sites of the thigh are both the rectus femoris and the vastus lateralis. And Landon's going to have, we're going to have the pictures of the landmarking on the website for you at the end of the podcast. The only thing about the vastus lateralis or the thigh one is the uptake of the drugs are a little bit slower than from the arm, but faster than from the buttock. And so it is, you do get a better drug serum concentration than you would in the gluteal muscles. To find the thigh injection site, you need to kind of make an imaginary box on the upper leg, find the groin, which shouldn't be too difficult, and one hand's breadth below the groin becomes the upper border of the box. And then you find the top of the knee, and one hand's width above the top of the knee becomes the lower border of the box. So 
All you have to do is stretch the skin to make it taut, insert the needle at a right angle to the skin straight in. It's a very easy spot and it's very, it's fairly safe. There's not as many nerves and blood vessels in that area that you have to avoid. So apparently we should have made this a video podcast because as we're speaking, Monique is actually demonstrating this <laughs> on her leg. Um, but uh, Monique, they can't see you. Yeah. So there will be a picture on the website. Okay. Now let's do the next one, the dorsogluteal site, Monique. Could you, could you tell us a little bit about well, that Well, actually, I, I think we shouldn't talk about this one. Why is that? Well, because the dorsogluteal site has actually been, um, the World Health Organization actually put out a statement that we should never use it because there it is far too close to a lot of nerves, particularly the, the sciatic nerve, when we have far better spots to use on the buttock and the gluteal area. So I actually don't think we should even talk about it because I think it, the more we talk about it or give credence to it, I think the worse it is that people are doing and so or using this. For those of us who've maybe been on a nursing school a little longer than five days, <laughs> the dorsal gluteal is the one on the back of the butt yeah. that most of us actually learned yeah. as the way to give IM injections. Yeah, it it actually said in 2004, the World Health Organization does not advocate the dorsal gluteal site for routine immunizations um, or because of poor absorption and the risk of sciatic nerve injury. And that was in 2004. And in 2008, there was a study in 2008 by Plotkin that reiterated this. So specifically in kids, um, you should use the thigh and the deltoid for vaccines in kids. But, of course, the thigh one you shouldn't use in kids who aren't um, walking. All or right. They... So, so dorsogluteal, let's just let's not, not, talk, let's about not talk about it. So let's start with because the arm. that way nobody will use it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I'll do the deltoid because this is the easy one. Well, well you think. think. it is. <laughs> for giving IM injections in the deltoid, it needs to go in the deltoid muscle. Now, the deltoid is a triangular-shaped muscle that starts up on the top of the shoulder and comes down to a V point, kind of a little ways down the humerus. So giving this injection down into the bicep or the tricep, way down into the arm, is not the right location. So the, the way to landmark this properly is to find the knobbly top of the arm, the acromion process, and that's the, t the top border of that is two finger widths down from the acromion process, the top border of where you're going to give the injection. So stretch the skin, bunch up the muscle, put it at a right uh, angle to the skin into the middle of that <coughs> inverted triangle. Um, no point in going to the bottom. It's just a risky spot. And you don't want to get too high up or you're kind of in the head of the humerus there. So that's a pretty easy one. And we'll talk about maybe why you wouldn't want to use that when we talk about some volumes. But... It's an easy one. It's easily accessible. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are trying to get some basic pain control done in hallways, and and this is one you can get to. But don't be lazy in thinking it's the only one I can get to and give an inappropriate drug or amount there because, well, people aren't going to stand behind you in justifying that in the yeah, end. Yeah, and it really is about getting... Uh, good visualization of the site, right? And I think sometimes when people are dressed and they have tight, you know, in the summertime it's easy because they've got, you know, they're sleeveless and things like that, but they've got things on that are tight and you can't visualize, you really do have to be careful with it. And we do say two finger breaths or finger width, excuse me, down from the acromion process, but it's actually between two to five centimeters. So if you've got big, fat, beefy fingers, just be careful that your fingers are not beyond that five centimeter width because beyond five centimeters, 
the axillary nerve and the radial nerve are right there, so it is kind of scary. So let's go down to the the base, all about the base. We're going to talk about the, the gluteal area, and one I'm going to function or uh, kind of talk about is the ventral gluteal, which is it's interesting because they did a study where they talked about what nurses, which sites they use. And despite the fact that we tell you not to use the dorsal gluteal, nurses still will do that. And despite the fact that everyone is recommending the ventral gluteal, nobody uses this because even Landon and I were talking about this before we started. It's because it's hard to sometimes remember it and because we don't give it very often. And it is funny because this should be a video podcast because the two of us, as we're describing it, are reviewing the, the landmarks on ourselves to kind of imprint it into our memory. But for those of you visualizing right now, we won't be demonstrating <laughs> the ventral gluteal no, on each other. No, definitely. So the ventral gluteal site actually provides the greatest thickness of gluteal muscle. And it is free of penetrating nerves and blood vessels. And there is a narrow layer of fat of consistent thin thinness. So you're going to get it into the muscle. You're going to avoid any major nerves and blood vessels. So it is the preferred site for intramuscular injections. So what you need to do is you need to find your trochanter. And it's the novelly top portion of the long bone in your upper leg or your femur. And it's about the size of a golf ball. And then you find the anterior iliac crest. You place the palm of your hand over the trochanter, point the first or index finger toward the anterior iliac crest. You kind of make a peace sign, spread the second and middle finger toward the back, making a V, and the thumb should be pointing toward the front of the leg. Always use the index finger and middle finger to make the V, and then you give the injection between the knuckles on your index and middle fingers. So you hold the skin tight, hold the syringe like a pencil or a dart, and insert the needle at a right angle to the skin at 90 degrees. And so so the, the picture of that will be on the website. And absolutely. Looking at the picture here, it's it's very clear, so I encourage you to yeah. go to nursem.org, look at the picture there if you're yeah. kind of trying to visualize it, especially if you're going to do it to a patient. Exactly. <laughs> and as I said, you know, I did say that in 2011, there was a Canadian study that said only 14% of hospital nurses use the ventral gluteal site, despite the fact it's the safest site. And 71% in hospital nurses still prefer the dorsal gluteal site, despite its proximity to the sciatic nerve and artery. So if we can tell you anything, please, if you're going to put it in the gluteal muscle, use and learn how you use the ventral gluteal site. All right. And so we, we put it in and then we aspirate, right? And Well, you know, it's not interesting because we were taught that, weren't we? Remember when we were taught, please aspirate, you may have hit a blood vessel. Well, there was a lit search done in Metline, Sinol, and Cochrane, and there's no evidence for aspirating at, of the syringe plunger at all. The only... If we use the dorsal gluteal site, you may need to do that only because you're very close to the gluteal artery. But if we, if you shouldn't be using that, there's no need for you to actually be aspirating. There's, there's no blood vessels running None. through the sites that we should be using. Exactly, that you would not need to worry about that. My goodness. Yeah. All right. Well, size does matter. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. So generally for IM injections, you should use a 21 to 23 gauge needle. Um, at least an inch probably or 2.5 centimeters probably a little longer than that to get into 
um, larger muscle masses. And yeah. this is really where you need to not just grab the syringe you always grab, but look at the patient and what you're trying to deliver to them and where. And so if you're trying to get into a larger muscle mass that's deep underneath extra tissue that might be present, mm -hmm. you may not want to use a 5 8 inch needle. But if Granny Fufu is 10 pounds soaking wet and you probably don't want to use an inch and a half long needle because mm -hmm. you'll go right into her bone or something like that. Mm -hmm. What about kids then? Well, so in a kid, you would use a 25 to 27 gauge needle. You can use a smaller needle and probably two centimeters or less. And again, then in obese patients, you may need to use a three and a half to five centimeter needle. It's, it's really going to vary. What we really, what I think is important here is that you use your brain. You turn your brain on for this part and look at who you're actually trying to give it to and not just grab the random needle that comes prepackaged with the syringe. Exactly. And really, if you look at the word intramuscular, the reason why you're choosing the length of the needle is that you need to get to the muscle. Yeah. And it is a bit of a sad effect that we have to think about. Uh, we are having a population of larger people and bariatric type patients. So we do have to be cognizant of that and choose the right needle. As you said, using your brain and looking at the patient's clinical picture and what they look like to determine what's the best thing to do. So the last thing that we would like to talk about, which seems perhaps um, intuitive, but I, I don't think people are actually paying attention to this. And so we have now talked about um, what's the best location, what is the right needle size, and the last thing is how much. So how much is too much? And the thigh, you can give up to two mils of fluid. The deltoid is a very small site, which is why we use it for vaccines. The maximum in the deltoid is two mils. So one to two mils um, in that site. And then the, the gluteal muscle, you can give up to three mils. So if it's a larger volume, then you should be doing the ventral gluteal. If it, there are smaller volumes, then you can have either the thigh. And remember the deltoid is a small site. So one to two mils at the most. And really we want to look at muscle size. Larger muscles tolerate greater volumes, makes sense. However, we really haven't researched the volume of fluid and how much each muscle group can tolerate. Most of these volumes have come from personal viewpoints or descriptive studies, and that's how we've done it. It's a difficult study to do though because um, you might be creating harm by saying, yeah. okay, let's push in, you know, five mils into the deltoid and let's see how that it'll do. So it is a difficult one and it is probably the best way to do it is through descriptive studies. All right. So why don't you summarize, Landon? So, uh, so in summary, this month, giving IMs is a basic nursing skill mm -hmm. that most of us haven't reviewed <laughs> in since a long basic time. nursing school. To prevent complications, remember three things. Location, 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 which is don't use the dorsal gluteal site. The best is ventral gluteal. And if you're using the deltoid or vastus lateralis, you have to landmark. Uh, size does matter. So adults need, you know, an inch needle at least. Children need probably two centimeters or less. Consider obesity. Just think. This is really think. The yeah. needle needs to reach the muscle. Exactly. How far do you have to get? And how much is too much? Remember the deltoid. No more than two mils. The thigh can take two mils, and the ventral gluteal uh, up to three mils. And if you're having to give more than that, you have to give another injection. And just giving two injections into the same deltoid isn't 
giving two injections. That's <laughs> exactly. just putting the same amount of fluid in two syringes. So you'd have to go to another site. Absolutely. All right. So until next time, thank you for listening to the Nursing Podcast. And we'll see you shortly. Absolutely. From my kitchen to yours, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. For past episodes and to comment on this episode, please visit our website at nursum.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursumCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursum Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education, www.prneducation.ca.